This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On today's show, we're going to talk about the issue of playing time. That's right, we're going to confront this key topic, which, as most coaches will tell you, is the number one complaint or concern when it comes to dealing with kids and their parents. Now, I'm sure if you heard in the news over the last few weeks about the high school basketball coach in Brooklyn who, who felt threatened by an angry sports parent who had complained about his kids' lack of playing time on the school team, and the coach allegedly shot the parent. <laughs> now, having to shoot an angry parent in order to protect oneself is beyond extreme. But unfortunately, we live in a time when angry sports parents attacking coaches is a real and ongoing concern. Now, let's sort of let's start from a, a common denominator here. You know, back in the day when parents actually supported the kids' coaches, the general rule of thumb was when a youngster came home from a practice session and groused about not getting enough playing time to his parents, the usual and customary response was, well, you're just going to have to buckle down and outwork the kid who's playing ahead of you. You're going to have to prove to the coach that you're the better player. There was no talk about firing off an angry email or a phone call to the coach or the athletic director. There was no talk of transferring uh, to a different school to play for a different coach. Rather, the response was more about doing what your son or daughter can do to impress the head coach in order to get more playing time. But of course, these days, that's no longer how it's done. And kids and parents are sometimes pumped up by their travel and club coaches who can tell the kid and the parent that, you know, really what they want to hear, that uh, the youngsters should be starting for the high school team. And I hate to tell you this, but that's, that's a real contributing concern. I want to talk about this issue today on the show because, again, if there's one number one complaint I hear all the time, it's about the concern of playing time. 1-877-337-6666. That, of course, is our number. You know, I'm looking for solutions here. I'm looking for ideas as to what what we can do to improve upon this kind of situation. Uh, I, I, I know that, you know, in some cases, you know, coaches will make a concerted effort to get every kid uh, on the team, on the bench, and into each game, even if it's just for a short period of time, because after all, every kid comes to every game hoping that, that he or she is going to get into the game and make some sort of contribution. Problem is, if you're a head coach and you're running a, a show, running a game, you know, it's difficult to have a situation here where, where you know, you can make that happen. It's a big, big 
responsibility on the coach for sure. Uh, you know, other coaches will be, you know, they'll try to take a different tack. They'll try to explain to kids on the bench uh, not to expect any playing time. They'll just say, look, uh, I have only so many kids I can get into a game on any given game day, and if your number doesn't come up, I'm sorry, but I just can't get you in. Please don't understand. Please understand that that's just the way it goes. Again, 15, 20, 30 years ago, that approach may have worked with kids, understanding they have to pay their dues, understand what's going on. But the fact is, in this day and age, it doesn't play with parents, particularly because, as I said, of the impact of outside travel teams, where, again, a lot of travel coaches, club coaches, will tell kids who obviously you know pay to play on those teams that they're being told, hey, you know, you should be starting. I don't understand why you're not getting more playing time in your high school program. You're terrific. That may be true, but it doesn't play well with the uh, with the uh, the high school coach. Uh, and again, I want to see if we can come up with some ideas, solutions here, because age old issue because it's changed, it's morphed, it's transformed, and now it becomes a real a real sore point for a lot of high school coaches as to why they have to deal with parents who are upset or the players themselves as to why they're not getting more playing time. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Uh, let's start our conversation this morning. Let's go with uh, with Chris out in Stony Brook uh, on Long Island. Chris, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? You know, Rick, I coached high school basketball for over 20 years. I'm currently an athletic director in Nassau County. Yep. Um, my program at, at Harbor Fields High School was probably one of the most successful programs in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, playing time was a big issue. And, and what I've always said to my parents, and, and they need to understand this from the day one, was more seasons are ruined at the dinner table than they are on the playing fields That's or right. on the courts right. or on the, you know, because they go home and like you said earlier, you know, hey, Dad, I'm not playing. You know, when I, when my father, when I said that to my father, my father said, what are you doing to get more playing time? Yes. Now it's like, you're right. You should be playing more. You should be doing this. That's right. You know, and that's, you know, that's the unfortunate part now because we're losing a lot of great coaches because of this situation. You know, as an athletic director, you know, trying to make sure that you have very qualified coaches are few and far beyond them, you know, because they're just, they don't want to deal with all that nonsense when they can, you know, you know, where, where parents don't understand. And this is the biggest thing. And I try to teach my parents every, you know, time we have like a meet the coach night, you know, they're only looking at one particular person, their son or daughter. Right. When a coach is trying to look at 15 kids on a basketball team or 20 kids on a baseball team or a softball team, they have to understand parents. It's very simple. It's not personal. Chris, coach, I, I, I got to tell you, that's exactly right. And that's an important point. I'm glad you mentioned that. And thank you for, for checking in this morning. Uh, you know, the, the thing is that the parent only sees their own son or daughter in terms of playing time, whereas the coach, their perspective, and rightfully so, is focused on the entire team, on all the kids in the team, not just on one player who happens to be the son or daughter of, of that parent. And that's that, that is, seems so simple, and yet it doesn't seem to get through uh, in this day and age. And, and I guess that's where we've lost a lot of the, the, or a lot of the concept of team play Team play has been eroded over the years. The team is supposed to come first, not the individual player. But again, in light, I mentioned this a minute or so ago, in light of the fact that we have uh, so many travel and club teams 
where the coaches on those programs are telling individual kids who, again, are, are paying to play on those teams, they're being fed feedback that, that is basically saying, no, you should be getting more time on your high school team. That's a real concern. And even though the high school coaches may uh, have a, a meet and greet with the parents before the season begins and, t- and they tell them these things, that is a real problem. Uh, that It doesn't really sink in. Uh, let's go now to uh, 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 Billy in, uh, in Long Island. Billy, this is Billy Torona, right? Yes, it is, Rick. How are you? Well, last of the Redmen. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> if there's anybody who knows about lack of playing time, it's you. And again, friends, if you happened to hear a few weeks ago, I did a great interview with Billy Torona, who was... Uh, who wrote a book called Last of the Redmen about his own you know, personal odyssey of going from a guy, from a kid who never made his high school team uh, to playing in a D3 program to eventually end up at, at St. John's as a member of the basketball team. And now, of course, you had your great career for two decades out in Long Island coaching. Billy, you obviously, you've had to confront this uh, both as a player and as a coach when it comes to playing time. Absolutely. And what people need to understand are the days of – Dean Smith flying up to Archbishop Malloy on a Friday night to see Kenny Anderson are over. That doesn't happen anymore. College coaches are so intertwined with their season that they can't come out and go see a kid on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon. It's very hard for them. Yep. And, and when, I ha- when I had Tobias Harris in our school, I took over 600 phone calls in his junior into senior year about recruitment. And basically the, the, the NCAA is, has made the high school coach um, you know, relevant for two reasons. One, the, the college coach will call you and say, what kind of a kid is he in school? Is he a nice kid? Who's his favorite teacher? And then two, Bill, can you get me his unofficial transcript? They're not going to come during the season anymore. So I remember you mentioned on Twitter yesterday, um, should parents be upset if their kid doesn't get playing time for college? They're going to be at the travel tournaments in the summertime, in the open period, like you said. Correct. They're not going to be doing the other stuff. So Chris made the point before, and I know Chris, that's Chris Agostino from Harbor Fields, who's now an AD. He's seen it on both ends. Mm-hmm. Chris understands it 100%, and he's right. The parents need to just sit back and let their kids play in high school, period. The high school coach, it's there for them to play with their friends. It's there for them to enjoy their high school experience. And Chris won a state championship, so he knows this is this is something they can live, you know, live with them forever and let the kids play. The high school season is irrelevant for colleges right now. Yeah, can well, you put some film together? You know, but other than that, it's it's really a chance for them to have fun with their friends. Bill, that's that's another important point of this, which I think uh, is lost in the shuffle, and that is that the parents still see because they grew up at a certain time where playing in high school and getting a lot of playing time was seen as being essential to get a college scholarship. And as you just pointed out, as Chris pointed out, that's not the way it works anymore. College coaches don't recruit from, let's say, in high school basketball. That's not where they do the recruiting. They're doing that in the in the showcases in the summertime at AAU tournaments. So it, it, the fact is that your kid's not getting, is not an all-star or is not getting a lot of uh, PT in high school basketball, that's not where it matters. It matters more in the summertime. And Rick, one one quick other point. I'm yeah. in Washington D.C. right now with my daughter Jackie for a travel volleyball tournament at the Washington D.C. Convention Center. Mm-hmm. It's a college volleyball coach's dream. There's 122 courts. The coach just needs to look on the app what what kid they're looking for. I mean, it's perfect. Why would they have to recruit during the season? They don't have to. 
that's the point. I, I, so. Billy, I, I'm so glad you and Chris chimed in this morning because this is what we're talking about, and we just have to, I guess, work that much harder to educate the moms and dads who obviously want to see their kids shine and, and want to go on to, to, to play and have a good time in high school sports and maybe go on to play in college. But that's the point. Things have changed. Things have shifted. And, you know, it's more about the team at the high school level and making sure the youngster is on the team and getting a chance to at least show the coach or in practice what he or she can do. And then let the chips fall where they may in terms of college scholarships. Good. Great point. Hey, Billy, thanks. It's a terrific to hear from you. I'm glad you're, you listened thanks, to the Rick. show. Take care. <laughs> thanks so much for everything. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Billy Minotorona, uh, you know, talking about uh, the whole issue of, of, of from, a co- from a coach's and a parent's perspective, how things have changed. You know, and I have to tell you, I mean, it, it really has changed dramatically. And playing time is still a very emotional issue. It's very hard to go to a high school game regardless if it's basketball, volleyball, lacrosse, whatever sport it may be, hockey, and to see your kid who you know was talented, you know, not getting as much playing time as he or she wants to uh, wants to receive. But that's what we're talking about today, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. one 337 Let me take a time out. When I come back, I'll go right to your calls. Back here on the Sports Edge, this morning we're confronting the issue of playing time, which is just an ongoing sore concern for particularly high school coaches and, of course, uh, parents, uh, and the kids are caught in the middle. Uh, I was saying before in the last segment about how this all sort of became a concern, and that, I think, has to do with the fact that these days, of course, when kids are starting out in youth sports, I'm talking at the elementary school level, you know, everybody is, assumes and they get equal playing time. If your kid is 6 or 8 or 10 years old and is on a youth league team with soccer, baseball, whatever it might be, softball, everybody is going to get equal playing time. And no parent and no coach has any kind of issue with that, nor do the kids. The kids all expect that that's fair. Uh, everybody, it's fair and square. Everybody gets the same amount of playing time. But as kids get a little older into the middle school level, uh, particularly if kids go off to play on a travel team, a lot of travel coaches will say that, well, here there's more of a priority on winning, and the best players are going to uh, command the most playing time. And that, I think, is where it begins to get a little sour with the parents who are now saying, well, I'm paying for my kid to be in this team, and if he's good enough or she's good enough to make a travel team, then, then he or she should get at least the same amount of playing time as everybody else. And then it begins to grow even worse by the time that kid gets to be in high school, and the high school coach, as you said early on, high school coach is looking to build the best team. The varsity level, it's about winning. That's the top priority, and the varsity coach is empowered to put out the best team that he or she thinks is going to play and, and play to win and, and do well. And then, of course, as I said, the kids on the outside travel teams are saying, yeah, but I've been telling, I'm, I'm hearing that I'm supposed to be a pretty good player, so why come, especially if the, the high school team is not having a good one-loss record, why isn't my kid playing more? This is where it gets really dicey, and uh, as we heard from the callers just before, you know, it's these days it's fun to be in the high school team, but if your kid is really serious about going on to play perhaps in college, it's going to be more a function of how they perform in the summertime in their respective tournaments or showcases or AAU programs as opposed to playing on the high school team. one 337 let's continue. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Jane. In New Canaan. Good morning, Jane. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. I want to say I listen to your show, and I think you're fantastic. Thank you. Um, so this is my philosophy about it. 
I think that the parents have no problem when the coaches play the best kids. And I think back in the day, that's what they did. The coaches used to play the best kids, Mm -hmm. but not any longer. What happens today is the coaches play the kids, his parents pay the coach for the extra lessons or the extra time. Mm -hmm. It's become political. So when the coaches play the best kids, the parents are fine with it. When they play the kids because they're getting paid for extra lessons or they're the ones that have a relationship with the parents, that's when parents get upset. That's when parents think it's unfair. Yeah, I, I'm afraid that's all part of the uh, the puzzle uh, because, as you said, it's when there's money being exchanged, and you know, we, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, about the fact that you know high school coaches, depending on the school district, uh, high school coaches are allowed in some cases to go out and uh, work in the summertime and get paid by that's their right. players. You know that that that's a very very slippery slope, and um, you can see how that could cause real concerns uh, once school is back in session, Jane. And, and obviously, the coach is saying, "Well, I don't understand. I mean, but the parent says, but you you told me my kid was great, and we paid you.' And I mean, it gets very very dicey." Yes, uh, completely. And I think that uh, what's happening now is the coach's fault, not the parents' fault. Because the parents sit back and watch the best players, they're fine with it. But when they see players who who are not the best and they're out there playing every day, in and out, uh, every shift, it's it's not fair. It's not right. And it's and that's when the parents get angry. Yeah, I, I Jane, it's. Um... Again, it's such a, a very fine line to walk these days if you're a coach and a parent. Uh, it, it is extraordinarily complicated as for all the reasons you just mentioned. Jane, thank you for, for checking in this morning. Appreciate the call. Uh, you know, and, and just to, to follow up on that, you know, if, if you're a parent and, and your, your son or daughter is, is being basically playing for a coach in the summertime, the high school coach, on, on a team which is a travel program, and you're basically paying for that your kid on the team. If you go to that coach during the course of the summer and you confront the coach, who's the varsity coach, and say, well, what do you think? Is my kid going to get a chance to start this year? Or is my kid going to get ample playing time? Which is really what the, what the parent wants to ask, and obviously the kid wants to know as well. How does a coach answer that question? Do they say, well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see who comes out for the team. We'll have to see how things work out. I mean, it's, you know, the coach, or the parent is looking for real specific, detailed feedback about playing time, and the coach has put uh, him or herself in a very awkward spot, and they got to be careful as to how they answer that. It, it, it is very, very tricky. Let's move on. Let's go to the Bronx and John. John, good morning. You're on the fan. All right, and I would tell you uh, that Lady Jane is right because you can't remove the human element out of anything you do, including coaching. Coaches will play their favorites. They have uh, a bias against certain kids, and they won't play them. And it's also incompetence, too. Some coach can't can evaluate talent and stuff. A good coach would always have the best players out there, but he'll always find room and time for other players on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, this is not the seventh game of the World Series we're dealing with here. But you can't, remember, the human element is present always wherever, wherever you go, and some of these coaches will play their favorites, and some kids get you know despondent, especially in baseball. You're sitting on the bench. 
bench and you can't pull the players out of the game because you lose them. And then the other guy can't come back in the game. So you're just sitting there and it's called a bench warming. The kids get discouraged and a lot of good ball players, they might not be the greatest ball players, but they can play the game. My advice always is there are no bad teams. There are only bad coaches. Go find another team. Yeah, well, yeah, John, that's, that's also a part of the issue today. Thanks for the call. You know, um, yeah, the human factor is a huge part of this, um, uh, and we all acknowledge there are some there are some great great coaches. Uh, there are some coaches who are not so great, and most of them sort of fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, and coaches, obviously, particularly at the high school level, are there. They're another top priorities to win, uh, and they are human. And I understand, having been a coach myself, you do get a little bit nervous, and you say, "Well, you know." Um, if I take this kid out and put this kid in, is this kid really going to be able to perform at, at a superior level? Um, so maybe I just keep things the way they're going now, keep the status quo, and maybe if we get a team uh, a lead by six, seven runs in a baseball game, maybe then I'll put this other kid in. Uh, and it just it just is like this ongoing, never spoken battle between the coaches and the kids in the bench. Kids in the bench are saying, "Coach, put me in, and we'll win by more. We'll do better." But that's a huge part of this issue. And again, we know that that's part of human nature. You know, there was a time where varsity coaches really would say they look at a kid who was perhaps not the most talented or the fastest or the biggest or strongest, but the kid who was on the team and working hard, doing the best they can, would impress the coach with their, for lack of a better word, their hustle and their determination. And they were the first to practice and they were the last to leave. And those kids ultimately, particularly at the high school level, usually did make a difference in the outcome of many games. But I'm not, I'm not sure I hear coaches discuss that anymore or kids today are, are putting that kind of effort in. I mean, they just it seems to be one of those situations where that's become sort of a, um, an anachronism and something that's gone and has just become obsolete. But hustle, determination, desire, those are, those are key elements that uh, were an important part of high school sports for a good long time. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Randy up in Carmel, New York. Randy, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? How are you, I'm Randy? From Carmel, New York, and I'm calling about my son when he was on the Carmel Rams in Carmel, New York. Yeah, he was one of the quarterbacks there. It was that three quarterbacks. He had one of the best arms, and he didn't get in one game. And he went to two day practices, and uh, he had like the one of the strongest arms, and he was like a practice dummy for the team, you know, mm-hmm. and. The coach never put him in a game, uh, never, you know, they were behind a lot of times, his team, and they never put him in because, you know, the kid had a spark for, like, you know, uh, uh, and I don't understand why coaches do that. And because, you know, I, I coached the, the Kent Knights for things sixth grade, and we played everybody. We had an undefeated season. You know what well, I'm saying? Yeah, well, let me ask you this, Randy. Did, did, your, did your son, and this is another part of the issue here, which I'm glad you called and brought this up. Did your son, by the time he was a senior, did he ever sit or stand and go to the head coach and say, Coach, uh, you know, I've got, I got a pretty good arm here. I, I come to all the practices. I work hard. Uh, what do I have to do to improve my game to get more playing time? Did he ever have that conversation with the coach? Yeah, well, he, he had he had it with the coach. And then my mother, she used to go to a lot of the practices before she passed away. My mother had, like, Alzheimer's and uh, cancer. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, then, like, his own wife, the coach's wife, says, "Why don't you give Kyle a playbook?" The coach won't even give him a playbook for like the plays, and uh, and then he just didn't have my son as a practice dummy. He had like other kids as a practice dummy as well, and he had one kid that was like a practice dummy that broke his collarbone in three places, and he 
There was like a lot of other kids. There was another kid who was a senior, didn't even get a one play, one down. Yeah, you and know. That's not, and, and that's not right. When you got kids, you know, they want to play too. They're coming to practice just uh, like the other guys. <laughs> Randy, and they I, don't put him in. I, I hear you loud and clear, and I and these kind of stories, uh, you know, concern me. Th- thank you for sharing this morning, Randy. You know, the thing is, and I'm glad Randy brought this up. Coaches, you know, you got to be sensitive to the fact that you can't be just a tough guy. Tough guys went away back in the '70s as coaches. If a kid's making an effort, regardless of their ability, if they're coming to every practice and they're working hard, they may not be the most talented player on your team. But you have to be aware of the fact that that team exists uh, at first first stringers, second stringers, third stringers, and it's your obligation to make sure you're being up front. Those kids know that if the game, uh, they have a chance to get in the game, you got to get them in. May not be for a couple of plays, may just be on a, on a kickoff, who knows what, or during a, when the game was lopsided, you have to get them in. Just to let them suit up for the games on Saturdays or Friday nights and not play in the game, that's not going to work, and that's going to probably undermine your authority uh, sooner than you think. Because today, the parents, the kids, all have an expectation that on game day, I've worked hard this week, I practiced, I went to double sessions, I should get at least some playing time. I'm not saying you have to start them. I'm not saying you have to give them a lot of playing time. But you got to make sure that everybody gets a chance to at least get the uniform dirty, they get a chance to break a sweat, to show they actually made an effort and a contribution to the team. And again, that is essential. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to um, let's go to Louie in Long Beach. Louie, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good, Louie. How are you? This is a great topic. Uh, I've been coaching for about forty years, soccer and lacrosse on the varsity level. Yep. And also, I've coached in college for several years as well. And what I found is that the more your game plan today as a coach has to be the inclusion of players. Yep. By do by doing this, it makes your team stronger, number one. Number two, uh, there'll be a stronger work ethic in practice. If you don't uh, if you don't emphasize how important it is to attend practice and to work hard, at the end you'll have players dropping off the team. That's right. If you don't play with players, they're not gonna be they're not gonna even work to be on your team. So what ends up happening is you will be unsuccessful. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've seen this happen before with other coaches when they don't play their players, and it's sad. Today is a different environment, and uh, you have to use inclusion for uh, the players in the game. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, and uh, thanks for uh, for the call this morning. And, and inclusion is so essential today. As Louis says, you know, if a kid comes and doesn't get any playing time and one game after the next, eventually that serves as a demotivator. And coaches, you understand if kids aren't motivated to come and show up to games or to practices, you're basically turning your team inside out. If a kid, however, guts into a game for a few minutes and shows some spark or some excitement and makes a great play, that's going to make him or her feel good. It's going to make you feel good. It becomes a win-win because suddenly you realize, hey, maybe uh, maybe this kid could actually do more for the team in the next game. That's what you want to have happen. That's what we're looking for, and that's why I'm saying inclusion is so essential uh, in, in your in your toolbox as a coach. This is the way it is today. You have a job. You have an obligation, not just to obviously put the best players out uh, to start the game, but also to find a way to get all your kids into the game in some sort of rotation 
So at least they know they're going to have a chance to shine, that the moms and dads up in the stands will see, hey, my kid's in the game now. This is great. This is fun. This is excitement. And that's what high school sports, that's how it's evolved these days. And as a coach, yeah, I know it makes more work for you, but you have to understand that's how it is. All right, let me take a time out. Crystal Presti has your update. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. And just to underscore that, yes, Ed Randall will be talking baseball this morning at 9 o'clock, uh, just about 18 minutes from now. And as also, I invite you to check out my uh, my website, my blog. We can post your own thoughts and comments at askcoachwolf.com. You can follow me on Twitter as well at AskCoachWolf. Uh, just a quick reminder, this coming Wednesday evening, weather permitting, I'll be doing a sports parenting presentation and, uh, of course, taking questions at Mawa High School in Mawa, New Jersey. The event starts at uh, 7 o'clock at the uh, high school and, of course, is open to the public. Uh, we'll be discussing the, the latest concerns, topics involving sports parenting and coaching issues. Again, that's this coming Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock at Mawa High School, and I hope to see you there. Now, you remember last week we were discussing the question of whether t- today's kids have as much fun as we did when we were growing up? Well, you know, a lot of comments, calls came in with many focusing on the fact that today's grown-ups, well, we had a tremendous amount of fun when playing sports growing up because everything was was so unstructured, uh, it was spontaneous, it was just not formalized. There were no no parents involved. We just had fun going out in the playgrounds in our backyards, whatever it might be. I recall playing, for example, touch football pickup games on the street uh, I grew up on. We played all the time out in the street. Uh, in fact, uh, as one of uh, the listeners uh, to the Sports Edge, uh, Greg Barry, uh, he put it uh, to me. He said, well, we were talking about pickup touch football games. He, Greg said, you know, it's funny, how many times in a game that I was playing in, it stopped for a car that was passing through on my street. Yet these days, how few times a game has stopped for me when I'm driving my car on that street. And Greg's point is, is well taken. You just don't see many kids playing pickup games anymore because they're all in their own formalized leagues. It's as simple as that. Okay, we're talking this morning about, about playing time and how we're going to finally come to grips with this and get some sort of sense of resolution between parents and coaches so we're all on the same page because, again, we're seeing so many of these incidents crop up where parents get angry at coaches, coaches get angry, defensive as well. It is a real concern. one 337 Let's continue our conversation. Let's go to Long Island. Doug is standing by. Hi, Doug. You're on the fan. Hey, hey Bob. How are you? Well, it's Rick, actually. Good. Good. I, uh, Rick, I'm sorry. That's all right. Things. Um, <laughs> listen, I, uh, I, you know, I have a lot of experience with it. It has changed a lot. My dad, Holly Mills, was one of the premier coaches in the history of Long Island basketball. Uh-huh. So I've seen the change. My brother, Steve, is the Knicks president. I, I've been a St. Agnes guy. I played with Billy Donovan and a bunch of people. So, uh, but it's, uh, it's a me, different Doug, era now. Your brother is Steve Mills? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so you know, I, I just I just know that there's a lot of it's it's, it's a very different time. I mean, when I was yes. in high school at St. Agnes in the '80s, I remember one time freaking out at the foul line of a uh, Catholic League uh, championship game because John Thompson, Dean Smith, Denny Crum, uh, Tom Davis were underneath the uh, foul line <laughs> basket at Hofstra <laughs> University, and I was like, "Wow!" But you know, it's a it's a different era now. You know, everyone is recruited. In the AAU circuit, right. uh, it's the coaches are just basically trying to win. I mean, 
just one little one other caveat, and I'll let you go. I can remember seeing uh, a player who's a pretty good player right now in the league <clears throat> playing in North Carolina, and I called Coach McKillop, who's a Long uh, Island guy, Davidson, and I said, hey, right, Coach, Davidson, sure. have you seen Dell's kid play? Uh, he's really good. He's in your state. He said, no, I haven't seen him yet, but I'll go take a look at him. He goes and sees the kid, and he said, I still have the email. I've never posted it, and I just talked to Coach McKillop yesterday about another kid yeah. in California. But he said, after he saw the kid play, I said, Coach, he has no scholarships, a Division two scholarship. And, in fact, Dell told me that he offered to pay for him to go to West Virginia, and the coach at West Virginia told him he won't make the team, he won't play. And so he signs with Davidson, and the rest is kind of history. So it's uh, I've seen that with C.J. McCollum. I've seen it with Steph. I've seen it with Damian Lillard. I mean, these guys were under-recruited. Uh, you know, some of the well, greatest players in the world were under-recruited. This, this Curry kid, uh, whatever happened to him? Did he, ever, did he pan out? Ah, yeah, he's pretty good. Won a few MVPs, <laughs> you know, won a couple championships. Doug, a pretty decent shooter. Doug, you, 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 know, you know this, and I know this, and people like, uh, who have had, like, you know, had a long history in sports, they know that things change in the sense right. that kids are under-recruited. Uh, you know, Curry, you know, when he was in high school, well, he's not seven foot tall. He's not just right. he's not he's strong enough. Kid. He's 17. He's going to get strong in two years, but he's got a string on the ball and he can really shoot it. Yeah. Okay, but... well, you know, you're not in basket. I, I know a hundred Division One coaches, and, you know, you are you know the game, but you're not in basketball. I said, yeah, but I know a player. I can tell you if a guy can play or not, and – the other thing is the, on the this AAU circuit has caused a lot of issues. Kids are paying to play. Every yep. kid has to pay yep. $900 to play. And it's it's tough because the coach wants to win because they're auditioning for jobs at many levels, you know, these uh, coaches. Of course, and, and that's another part of the uh, – again, it's a very complicated, very three-layered puzzle, Doug. And, and uh, you know, as you said – it's things are always very fluid, always very transitory. It's hard to keep an, uh, a real fix on this, but again, things are changing all the time, and it, it's uh, it's difficult as a kid's going through this because a kid realizes and the kid's parent realizes the clock is ticking, and and you know we're hoping and praying that my kid gets picked up by a college coach. So right, you know, right. That's, that's, Any scholarship is good. I yeah. mean, I tell parents and also. Uh, parents are very unrealistic. I can remember starting a AU program out in Suffolk years ago, and a guy was telling me, "You better call Billy. My son can play, you know, in Florida, and and you know, this, that, and the other. Why don't you call Coach Cal for my kid?" And I, you know, what I did is I pulled out my phone and I showed him a YouTube video, and I said, "Hey, buddy, let me just explain something to you. Come over here. We shouldn't do this in front of your kid because it should. You shouldn't do this to your child because mm-hmm. you don't know." But I said, here's the here's the guy who Coach Cal just signed is going to be the point guard. Is your son as good as him? And I was showing him YouTube clips of John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, your kid's five seven, and this guy's six four, and he motors like you know, I, I, like a fleet. It's, it's just you know, be realistic. And that's the other thing, Doug. And, and thank you so much for for your perspective this morning. It's greatly appreciated. I appreciate the call. You know, uh, you know, that's the other thing. The kids and all this, and we haven't talked about the kids much. The kids, by the time they're 14, 15, 16 years old, they get it. They say, as Doug pointed out, you know, if a kid thinks he's really terrific, well, he may be a big fish in a small pond. He may be the very best point guard, you know, within his high school, uh, you know, within his hometown. 
But in the, it's a big world out there, and there are a lot of really talented players. So the kid might say, well, I'm great, uh, but I'm not as good as John Wall. I'm not as good as this guy. I'm not as good as Zion Williamson. I mean, they had, the kids have a better sense sometimes than the parents do because the parents are obviously blinded. They want to see their kid go on and get that college scholarship. And we've discussed so many times on this show, we know that less than 4% of all high school varsity athletes are going to even make a team in college. I'm not talking about getting playing time in college or getting a scholarship. I'm saying just making a team. It's as simple as that. We continue on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jack Smithland to get his take on this. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. How are you, Rick? Jack, how um, you doing? Once again, great show. Um, I know Billy's listening. So how you doing, Bill? Um, great talk. Um, Solutions, okay? I mean, you know, that's what the shows are all about. The stories are great, and they're really, they're really scary at times. But, this, you know, there's things that coaches can do also. They can make sure that everybody on their bench is playable. I mean, they're, they can put them in any situation and have them fill in. Don't have a big roster, you know? That will also uh, help out when you don't have 15 people on the bench that you have to get in. Okay, also another thing that coaches do often is they'll take a younger player, a freshman or a sophomore, who they feel has potential at the varsity, and they'll bring them up and they'll sit them there. When that kid should be down playing, getting as much experience as they possibly can. And one of the things that we discussed in the past, Rick, is that I moved to an elite town, you know, an upper-class town after I left Fairlawn after 30 years, and... I came up with a theory, and I made a contract. And on that contract, it had two things. Don't ever mention another player's name right. in the meeting, and don't, and don't ever talk to me about playing time. Playing time is my decision. I'm the coach. Okay? But what happens is, is that the parents find other reasons. But the point is, is that the contract had to be signed by my administration, the parent, and the athlete. And now they knew what the rules were. And I didn't even have to listen to them about playing time. And there's so many different things that are involved. I mean, don't ever sit a freshman or a sophomore on the bench at the varsity level and not get playing time. Well, get, put them down and let them get experience. Jack, we have, you know, that was, again, that's sort of a, uh, and you and I have talked about this, that's sort of a throwback. There was a time not too long ago where a freshman never made a varsity uh, team no, in any never. sport, uh, and even a sophomore, it was, it was a rarity. Now, these days, we do know that kids who are freshmen and sophomores routinely will make a varsity because, as you say, the varsity coach says, well, either I'm going to build towards the future and uh, I'm just going to give this kid more playing time than normally he would deserve because uh, I know the kids who are juniors and seniors just aren't that talented. That will cause lots of concerns within the school district if that's the approach the oh, coach definitely. takes. Uh, definitely. But, but, you know, the one other thing, Rick, real quick, is that building for the future doesn't mean getting a freshman or a sophomore limited playing time. Building for the future is putting him down at the lower level and getting well, getting him playing time every day. There's a general sort of unstated rule of thumb, Jack, and I know you've heard this as well, that if a kid is a freshman who's going to be on a varsity, that kid it's 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 he or she's going to have to pay play a, a sizable amount of time in the varsity exactly. level otherwise you're right why are you wasting why are you taking a slot away from an upperclassman when that kid who's a freshman who's apparently got some promise 
he or she should be playing on the freshman or JV team where they're actually going to play and not just sit in the bench exactly. and watch other kids play. And yet, a lot of coaches don't see it that way. They sort of say, no, 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 this is, this is going to accelerate the kids' development. Uh, and that's not the way before it should I be. Get off, yeah. Before I get off, Rick, I want one other thing. And, I, and you and I had talked about this. When uh, my son was playing ball at Penn State, Zach, I subscribed to a magazine. It was called Collegiate Magazine. It was a baseball college magazine, newspaper. Yeah, Collegiate and Baseball, right. In, yeah, in 2000, I think it was, or 99, um, there was an article in that paper about 25 Division One coaches leaving the game because of parental pressure. Yeah. Division One level. Yes. I mean, <laughs> what sake should a parent have other than you're abusing my child or, you know, there's unfair play? But I just don't get it. The parents have to understand that we are the coaches, you know, and like you said well, before, and I played this rule my whole life, put your best players on the field and nobody should ever complain. The people on the bench get them playing time, there's no problem. Jack, it's Thanks, a... Rick. Thanks, as always, for the call. And, you know, just to underscore what, what Jack is saying there, yeah, once you get to the collegiate level, moms and dads, and I, I was a head coach in college for a decade, I can tell you it changes dramatically. Yes, I'm going to be friendly. Obviously, I'm thrilled that your son is playing baseball for me at, at, at the collegiate level. But understand this, this is now uh, intercollegiate sports. Uh, this is about winning, and the best players play. I will always and did do my best to make sure all my kids got into the games as much as I possibly could. But the fact remains, we're here to win. It's not high school. It's uh, most of my kids were on scholarship, uh, and that was part of the deal. That was the quid pro quo. So I would tell the parents, love to talk to you, but don't bother me during the game. And if you want to talk to me about uh, anything at all, that's fine. But playing time. As Jack Smithland said, I'm the head coach. That's my call, particularly at the college level. And I hate to say it's a business, but at the college level, it is a business. It's as simple as that. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? How you doing, Ed? Good. Here's the thing that that's important. Yeah. Wait, wait, so parents don't get involved interfering. You got to have a strong athletic director who's going to back the coach when, when, when a situation comes up with playing time, and the coach has to be strong too and emphatic and say, "Hey, playing time is earned. You know, with the best players play, and not only that, I don't want parents coming over emailing me or talking. If you want to, li- if your son wants to talk to me, he could talk. Not a problem, and you can listen. And I'm going to share a story of, of how how times have changed, Rick." When I used to coach high school baseball in the 80s, there was a legendary coach in um, Colonia named Mickey Cott. Legendary. Yep. After a game, we, you, know, we, we, you know, we play, we walk out together, we're talking, and a parent comes up to him and he goes, Mickey, can I talk to you? And he goes, sure. He goes, I want to know why my kid's not playing. This is his exact answer. I remember this to this day. He said, your kid's not that good. <laughs> he said it just like that. True story. Today, if that was said, now you're going to a board Well, meeting, we're going to lawsuits. You're going that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed, and that's a true story. I, hey, Ed, uh, I'm sure it's a true story, uh, and and sure that's the way it went down uh, back in the '80s. Uh, hey, I'm sorry, I, I got to run, move to a break, but thank do you, you Ed. Do Rick, I'll talk to you. you All right, bye. Take care, Ed. And you know that's Ed Ward. Obviously, that's a true story, and I'm sure. But again, we have sort of evolved in a po- more positive way since back in the '80s. But that's how it was back then. And again, as Ed used the phrase, kids today have to earn. 
They have to earn their playing time. And that's something at the very core that I think moms and dads uh, have to come to grips with. And parents, coaches, they have to understand that as well. I mean, you have to, kids have to earn playing time. Okay, let me take a time out. I'll be back. Stay with me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.